The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Circling the Bases podcast, the official fantasy baseball podcast of NBC Sports Edge. I'm your host, Matt Williams. Joining me on the show today to recap the weekend in fantasy baseball. Ever, you should know him. If you don't, you know, shame on you over at Elite Fantasy. He's the uh, the fab whisperer, Mr. Vlad Settler. What's up, buddy? What is going on, Matt? Uh, always a, a pleasure to talk to you. I think last uh, we did uh, uh, voice-to-voice, I guess, was uh, about a year ago. Yeah. Was it, was it on your show, the last we spoke? Yes, had you on uh, had you on my live stream back in uh, back in the pandemic days. Yeah, with Jeff with Jeff Zimmerman. Yeah, but the the good old days. Uh, but uh, yeah, the baseball season hasn't claimed too many victims with COVID this year. In the very beginning, it was a little sticky, but overall, I think you got to be pretty happy. <laughs> more of the uh, nonsense has been more like weather uh, weather related, umpire related than anything, to be honest. Yeah. And I was just thinking about how, uh, what a fun summer it's going to be. Like, even though the ball does seem a little bit different and obviously batting average across the league is down, right? Like pitch, pitchers are just crushing it right now, yeah. but they're going, there's going to be some big scores happening this summer. And a lot of our offenses are going to heat up, thankfully. Yeah. And, um, I mean, everyone's kind of pounding the table. I, either uh, you're you're really against early season victory laps, or you love them, or you know, right in the middle where like you don't care. It's just as long as you don't take it too seriously. But as the only point I like to hammer home is, uh, you, ju- you go ahead and jump to conclusions for people that you think are a breakout. You only have so much time to pick them up. Pick them up. That's what the end of your bench is for. Recycle the end of your bench. But uh, everyone giving up on early players. Like I was in a. I was in just uh, the, the I have this beat Matt Williams uh, OC over at NFPC. Someone dropped Austin Riley. The only weakness on my team was power. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, I was, thank you. Thank you for the present. So, yeah, don't drop anyone that uh, you took in the first, like, you know, whatever, 15 rounds of a draft. You know, you got to give it a little time for the guys, at least the ones that you've you did research on, you believed in for a reason. You got to give it a little bit of time unless there's a change in playing time or an injury. Oh, then that's the beauty of, of fantasy is it doesn't matter what level of competition of the league you play in. There will always be people that are impatient and they drop players in April. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about it before the show. I mean, I picked up uh, in a in a pretty uh, competitive 15-teamer, uh, Corey Kluber, who, uh, you know, I put in a $120 bid on him. The backup on it was 31. No one was interested in him. I wasn't even sure if I was that interested in him. Figured I'd take a shot. He had two starts on the board and man, uh, you know, a couple of gems there. Uh, picked up a $30 Patrick Corbin. Not sure how that's going to shake out over the course of the season. But yeah, I mean, Aaron Hicks is being dropped like nothing. Like people just, you know, just just 
leaving gifts for us uh, to pick up and make our teams better. Yeah, like just a simple piece of advice for anyone listening. It's if you're wondering if you should pick someone up who's off to a slow start, because a lot of things seem like no brainers for certain decisions. But then when someone's actually faced with a decision, your brain plays tricks on you. Like, oh, he's off to a bad start. Am I going to look foolish? A, don't care what other people think. Do what you mm -hmm. think. And two, if if it looked like, think of what you thought preseason. If the day before the season started, you thought this would be a great idea, then just kind of roll with that. If you have a spot on the end of your bench, like you said, 30, 30 bucks on Corbin, Patrick mm -hmm. Corbin, you said, yeah, yeah, go for that. <laughs> I mean, if it doesn't work out, what if you're out? You're at $30 in a bench spot you didn't necessarily need and you move on. Uh, but yeah, the uh, we'll get into the highlights of the weekend. Obviously, Corey Kluber worked out very well for you, but we're going to start off with uh, all of the injuries uh, right around the corner. Before we get started, uh, just a special deal for our listeners, uh, NBC Sports Edge, Bases 10. Use the promo code Bases 10 if you want to sign up for any of the NBC Sports Edge premium content, MLB, NBA, NFL, everything. And that's for any tier uh, or yearly, monthly, anything you want to do. Uh, use the promo code Bases 10, get 10% off any of that. And uh, so getting into uh, the weekend roundup, which... Like I said, it's a lot of injuries. We'll just kind of take them one at a time and we'll go through all of them because unfortunately there were a ton. Uh, Dustin May, I mean, you're a Dodger fan. Um, they, it, was, it was unfortunate to watch. Uh, you know, he, he threw, I think it was 94 mile an hour fastball and then immediately there's something wrong. The last time I checked, it was just, he went on the injured list before he actually had his MRI, which I believe will be Monday. We're taping the show Sunday night. And he went on the IL with, right i just believe arm just right arm pain was there an update that you know of at least for now by by the time this comes out maybe there'll be a further one uh no and and, and i really do think that most likely we're going to get some sort of uh update on monday uh unfortunately and so people are really they're in that pickle they're in a tough position uh uh we've talked to several folks who uh are, are doing different things with it uh some people are waiting and holding a week because they can afford to do so they're going to be able to fill their full roster and uh, just see what happens and just make sure that, uh, that that it isn't what we all think it is, unfortunately. But most people would do, do seem like they're going to be dropping him. Folks are about, I mean, we're not doctors, but uh, about 90, 95% convinced that this is uh, not not good, Bob. So That's unfortunate. If, uh, if, you're, uh, if you're a Dustin May shareholder or a uh, fantasy manager, <laughs> uh, what, I mean, what can you do here? I mean, you just you just hold no matter what. Um, even in 10 team, right? You just, I mean, one, wait for the official word, but let's just say starting at the most shallow of leagues, 10 and 12 team, how long can he, can a player like this afford to be out before you are just cutting bait? Like how long of a, because this will go to like, not just Dustin May, but any player, someone that is of decent value to you. Where's that kind of cutoff where how, how long they can be out before you're uh, willing to just, uh, you know, not spend a spot on them? Uh, not long, really, unless there's some sort of good prognosis, because uh, on 10 and 12 teamers, there's always solid replaceable value. And even more so on 10 teamers, you're looking at uh, who's available uh, among the free agents and probably a lot of good pitchers, right, uh, that you can pick up. Uh, even in, in 12 teamers, I'm in a spot where I do have a Dustin May and I am thinking about just kind of jumping the gun and burning him, even if it isn't the best uh, idea, even though it might be wiser to wait a week, but that just happens to be a team where I need to fill a starting sp pitcher spot. I think I have a, uh, you know, like a, a pitcher that I has an incredibly tough matchup or something. I just don't want to play him, uh, you know, in that matchup. So I'm going to go ahead and just do that. 15 teamers where I have Dustin May, an absolute hole. There's nothing wrong with waiting a week just to make sure that, uh, you know, see what happens there. All right. Uh, Luis Robert, 
this is interesting because it came out if anyone watched it he was hustling down beat out of infield single and to me just to the naked eye i thought oh my god he's gun he shot his hamstring or he like it looked like he stubbed his knee but it turned out to be a hip flexor which i watched it three or four times i don't know where how the hip even came into it so i mean i i don't know how long he'll be out but i mean i consider that good news based on what i thought it looked like it looked horrible so all things considered you know you don't want him to have uh, any kind of injury, but uh, yeah, Luis Robert, uh, did you did you happen to catch the video of that? I uh, I did catch the video. I agree with you. It did it did look uh, it did look pretty bad. Of course, uh, manager's reaction was like, "Oh, it'll be okay. He may not even go hit IL." And of course, he does. Mm. Uh, the, the The real sad part is 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 he hasn't really gotten warm yet. He's had a pretty cold April. You know, some hits there, some homers here and there, but he hasn't really gotten uh, what we want out of him. So this does kind of put a strain in things and yeah we just pop them on our bench and and wait it out there's not really much in terms of uh this doesn't open up spots or at bats for anyone of note necessarily because i mean now they're forced to, i guess play andrew vaughn which they weren't you know it took them long enough but they were doing that anyway now uh so yeah there's is, there's no one coming up from the minor leagues there's no one coming off the bench here uh unless you, unless you happen to like anybody that i that i'm not seeing uh it, this is more just a uh, it is what it is uh luis robert is out and there's there's nothing coming to replace him of note yeah but uh i guess who's uh who's going to be moving over to be uh, adam eaton move moving over to center or billy not, hamilton will play more or? yeah someone of i mean that's that was their first option originally, so that kind of leads me to believe that uh, at least, I mean, there's no one worth investing in, I guess, immediately. There's no matter what you're looking at there, you're, there's probably more interesting options on the waiver wire regardless somewhere else. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, I mean, Adam Engel, I believe, he's he's dealing with a hamstring, so he's not mm-hmm. coming back in anytime soon. But just talking this out with you, man, I mean, if, if somebody – this is crazy, and maybe you'll never have me on the show again for, uh, ever again <laughs> after this comment, uh, but, oh, man, what if – Billy Hamilton actually plays almost every day this week and just steals four or five bases out of nowhere. Desperate hey, teams I'm, could use it. Well, I mean, he's been bad for a long time and and people had rostered him forever just on that assumption. If he plays, he's going to steal bases. So I guess that still holds. I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if you're desperate enough. Uh, you know, if, if you were, if you were, you, you know, you had Tim LaCastro and he went down and you have no other options, then yeah, sure. It could be worth it. It's not like you're going to be getting a bidding war into Fab, which this will air after Fab. So we'll see how mm-hmm. that kind of turns out. But I'm sure some people will be looking to invest in that area. Uh, Trav- Trevor Story, he had a finger injury. The the uh, there's no fracture. The the X-rays came back negative. It seems like this is going to be a short-term thing for him. So hopefully, no worries there. Uh, a couple of catchers went down. Travis Darno, they listed it as a hip or a, I'm sorry, a thumb sprain, which, and then they immediately put him on the 60 day DL, which is kind of the funny thing. We were talking about this in another, in an industry chat. So the word sprain is, is somewhat misleading because it can, it can be anything like, you know, out for a week to out for several months. Cause a sprain can be a tear because a sprain is a tear. It's like a slight tear. turns out he has a totally toward ligament in his thumb. He's out a couple of months. William Contreras is coming up. Uh, are any interest there, uh, which they actually had a couple of injuries go down. Alex Jackson also went down. Mm-hmm. So they brought up, uh, they brought up, I can't think of his name, veteran who 38 year old veteran of uh, Jeff Mathis. So yes. he gets, he gets another crack there. He'll get some time, but uh, William Contreras will be the guy, you know, for the most part. Yeah, so where I play in uh, is mostly NFBC, and in that format, until somebody's actually played a game, 
they don't they're they're not eligible to be picked up until the following day, which in turn becomes the following week. So Contreras playing his first game uh, on on Sunday, the day that we're recording, means that he's not available in, in those leagues. So of course, if you're in a deep league that is not an FBC and you need a, a catcher, I think because of there's some because of there being some other injuries to catchers uh, kind of throughout the league, you may have a few guys that you can bid on in, in or pick up in, in really deep leagues. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean uh, Contreras, if he has a good week, he's he's going to be a popular pickup next week because catchers always always thin. Yeah, and speaking of that, Alejandro Kirk, and this is a bummer, hip injury. He goes down. Uh, I don't know how long he'll be out, but you you know it's it's tough to hold catchers, um, especially in, even in a 15-team league sometimes because, I mean, you have to carry two. It's not like carrying an injured catcher. There's no IL in NFBC. Uh, he, he finally was starting to get heated up. He hit a couple of home runs the other day. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a bigger guy. Um, so there, there was some people that kind of had this, you know, worry that how can he hold up long time over catcher? And then a lot of them are taking their not, I don't want to say victory lap, but they're kind of like taking the I told you so route today. Uh, how do you feel about Kirk long-term? Because it, it seems like this won't be a long-term stay. Um, and there were some people, I mean, myself included, who believe that if given the at-bats, he could be a top three hitting catcher, maybe the yeah. best hitting catcher possibly in all of baseball, if given the chance. I I love, absolutely love Alejandro Kirk. And uh, uh, unfortunately, in in the Platinum League that myself and a partner were were are, were in, we did grab Kirk late, and I do know that there were some you know, there were other people that were going to pick him up if we didn't get him where we could. Unfortunately, could not hold him because the number one rule, at least for myself with catchers, is you just don't carry a third one. And Kirk wasn't getting the playing time, and it's just one of those things that you just kind of have to let it go. Uh, this week. Up until that injury, he was going to be going for a crazy amount of, uh, of uh, free agent budget because, uh, yeah, you, you just don't you, you just don't find that type of solid catcher uh, available on waivers quite frequently. So now with this injury, it kind of changes things, puts him on the back burner for a little bit. But something to keep an eye on when you're starting to hear good news of him progressing and sounding like he's going to come back, go ahead and get him in because the guy is a stud. Uh, unfortunately the team is so loaded. It's hard to even get him a DH. That would be mm. ideal to, you know, to play him there, but he's uh, he's going to be a name to, to, to remember for, for years to come. Yeah. That was the hope, right. In the, in spring training before they started signing Marcus Simeon, George Springer and everybody, because no one was really sure how aggressive they'd be. The idea was that Kirk would be the DH that went up the, the, the window really quick. Rowdy Telez, who they sent to the minors, which, you know, if anyone hasn't noticed, that was more of a logistics thing. They were facing a lot of lefties. Springer was going to be playing DH uh, first time coming back, so he'll be back up too. Uh, Ian Happ, he went down. He had a collision with Nico Horner uh, while uh, playing the field. I, I didn't really get uh, as far as this recording. I, I don't have a, a real strong update on him. So that's he just felt better. Yeah. That's all I heard. So yeah. as far as setting lineups, I, I mean, I think you'll hopefully hear something. Uh, this – Luck, you know, it's it's better when you have. No, I shouldn't say better. Like Bryce Harper was an easy sit for me over the weekend because it's you know Friday, at least a Friday to Sunday. You know, you know after getting hit in the face, which how is he okay? He's like yeah. an android. He got hit right in the face. Um, but Ian Happ, that's a legitimate decision. I'd say that he's probably going to be fine. But I mean, he's he's been disappointing anyway. So how do you how would you deal with Ian Happ, assuming you just had? you know, uh, someone you felt good about on the bench. If, uh, how do you, just not him specifically, but, you know, talking strategy. If you have one of these things on a Monday, you know, a Monday to Friday, 
where or a Monday to Thursday, I should say, where you have a player like this that you'd like to start. You're really not sure. You feel like he's going to play, but you know him even being out one game would really decrease his value. Yeah, I mean, it, this is a situation where you always want to make sure you you don't put yourself in a position to take uh, a zero for for the half week, for for the week, for whatever it may be. So if you have to uh, be able to put yourself in a position to have somebody to replace him, should he not be in the lineup on Monday, I think that's the absolute most important thing. In shallower leagues, in a in a, a, a 10-teamer or a 12-teamer, he, he's a potential drop, to be honest, because I think there's an, enough good hitters out there. Sure, Hap is going to uh, have a nice summer in Wrigley at some point, have a nice streak, hit a bunch of home runs. But the bottom line is he doesn't play every day and he does kind of uh, kind of crush uh, crush the batting average. It is interesting how they signed uh, Jock Peterson the beginning of the year. They're like, oh, we're going to play him every single day. We don't care about the uh, the matchups. And all of a sudden, Ian Happ's being sat. It just blows mm-hmm. everybody's mind. But he obviously has done nothing to earn an everyday spot back yet. Uh, Tommy LaStella also down. Uh, it's not a huge thing. I, I can't, I mean, he has a jammed hand. Haven't heard anything. Wilmer Flores is probably going to benefit here getting in some regular bats. Honestly, Tommy Listell is his, his biggest contribution to fantasy this year is kind of screwing up the at-bat situation in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second he signed there. So, uh, Listell is he in the same kind of boat with, uh, as Ian Happ with you as uh, far as value. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to me, the, the just kind of a, on the different spectrum because he doesn't have Happ's power, but he, can really contribute to the batting average category, even though he hasn't necessarily been doing that this year Uh, in deeper leagues. It could be an opportunity for maybe Mauricio Dubon to get uh, some more at bats, maybe, you know, because Wilmer could play some first base as well. Wilmer Flores that is. So maybe Dubon can switch over sort of a utility guy, but he could potentially play some second base. What do you think of the, What do you think of those Giants? By the way, as a Dodger fan, you're watching them maybe closer than than the rest of us. Uh, how? Uh, I mean, I don't know the even odd year thing with them. They got off to a ridiculously hot start with their pitching, which you know can't last forever, at least for all of them. How legit do you think they are in terms of? It looks like Gabe Kapler, at least you know he didn't have it in Philly. It looks like he has some kind of thing going where the veterans last year, where he is, you know, he kind of. I don't know what the word is. I don't want to call it magic, but I mean, with the analytics, he he does have something where they have a system that's in place that's making them overperform and get the most out of they can out of what they have there. So do you think this is just some early season Royal stuff, which I know the Royals were underrated to begin with. They got Daniel Lynch coming up uh, pretty soon. So they're exciting, but yeah, the Giants, is this like a legit or kind of nonsense thing from them early on? No, I do. I do think it's legit. Unfortunately, they uh, they have the tr- tough draw of uh, that division, mm-hmm. so they're going to have to you know get it get in another way, not by winning the division, because I don't think that's a possibility for them. Uh, but last year was a good sneak peek into that. I mean, there were a lot of days where we just uh, we saw the sort of this new offense uh, really crushing it at, at times, and uh, the ballpark played a little bit differently, which is something we're not used to over the years. And they have an interesting mix of guys. I guess they're basically your Tampa Bay Rays of uh, the, the National League. And mm-hmm. the way you just you look at their lineup and they have all those lefties and all those righties. And you kind of know every day, depending on who they're facing, who's going to be playing. You know, it's going to be Darren Ruff and Wilmer Flores and Slater uh, coming in when, the, when there's a southpaw on the mound. And then uh, and when a southpaw's on the mound, you won't have Alex Dickerson in the lineup. Uh, Listella sometimes won't play. Now they've added Mike Talkman. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski's coming back on Friday, so I kind of like them from a, from a fantasy perspective, and especially when they uh, when they go to Coors, it seems like all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting into the the the, the pri- out of the injuries finally, and into the the high producers of the weekend. We don't have to sp- spend a lot of time. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Time on our first pitcher, Shane Bieber. He has 68 strikeouts in April, which is the most ever. Uh, he actually set the major league record for most consecutive starts with eight Ks or more. Uh, it's 18 that he passed Randy Johnson to, to lock that down. The last time Bieber failed to get eight strikeouts was September 25th, 2019, when he struck out seven. <laughs> so he almost got there again. Uh, is there not really much to say here? There were some that were worried um, with Shane Bieber going into the playoffs. They thought maybe he was showing off some of his warts with the home runs, but you know Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole. There's some, there's home there's really good pitchers that just give up home runs. Justin Verlander's one of them. So uh, Shane Bieber is. Do you like him any more or less than you did before the season started, or are you one of those guys that just had him? Uh, you know, Degrom, Cole, Bieber. Yeah, I think I was pretty much in that boat. I I was off of him. I, I wouldn't say off of him. It just uh, I think I was liking the hitters in in that range, the guys mm-hmm. like uh, Yelich and Trout that were going around there. Uh, but then when push came to shove, uh, in the first main event, fifteen teamer that I drafted, I had the ten spot and uh, was picking between Bieber and Yelich, and I took Bieber. Uh, and so far, obviously, don't regret it. Obviously, those that have taken a first round pitcher, especially whoever's taken Degrom have been uh, exceptionally pleased. And so, man, it's just really nice to know that almost every time your ace comes, takes the mound, you are going to get probably double digit K's out of them. And, uh, you know, just really great ratio help for the most part, but you nailed it. These guys, it's okay that they give up some home runs. I mean, they're, they're, they're not superhuman. They're not going to go out there and, and, you know, do complete game shutouts every single game. They're all, so they're you all take- home runs usually. So that's yeah. the thing, right? Don't do it with men on base. Yeah. I have one share of Bieber, unfortunately, like, like yourself for the most part, I like the hitters. I, th- I felt the Grom was in a tier of his own. I thought Cole was in a tier of his own and I thought Bieber was, I thought he was closer to the rest of the pack with Giolito. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's not looking right. I, I kind of went into the turn. I have a lot of Aaron Nola type stuff. So, you know, uh, it, you know, it, it, I'm fine with the hitters I got, but yeah, Bieber, obviously very legitimate. Uh, Freddie Peralta, who I have a ton of shares of, but I drafted him early on, assuming he was going to be a middle reliever. Cause I wanted to stock up on pitchers like that with the uncertainty with uh, innings this season. This worked out to my benefit with, uh, you know, people going down with injuries left and right. Freddie Peralta, six innings, one earned, seven strikeouts versus the Dodgers, which is an important start for him because before this, he had a sparkling ERA and whip, but it was against like the Pirates. He faced the Cubs a couple of times. He didn't really have a test. So we were about to see whether, 
you know, the this was uh, quite legitimate or not. We knew the stuff would play, but doing it against the Dodgers are completely different. Yes, uh, he's looked absolutely phenomenal, and uh, obviously, kudos to you for for picking up all those uh, uh, shares of him. Uh, the, the the most important- kind of lucked into it. <laughs> hey, hey, you take it, you take it any way you can. Uh, but to me, the the most important thing is that he's. Uh, remember when he first came up and that very first start, I believe that he ever had. I think he he threw 95% four seamers. Yes, and obviously that was unsustainable. And so it's nice to see him, you know, mixing in the slider. And then his other two pitcher uh, pitches, I think he's got like a changeup and something else, but he's mixing those in uh, at least ten percent of the time, which is something, you know. So his, it's not just he becomes a lot less predictable, and obviously he throws heat, uh, and and yeah. So I'm liking what I'm seeing out of him so far this year. Uh, over on the uh, the LA side, the, I think this is the start that excited me most as as a Mets fan. Anyone non Mets related is uh, Julio Urias. Uh, seven innings, zero walks, four hits. 10 strikeouts versus Milwaukee, seven innings, 10 Ks. I mean, those are the numbers mm-hmm. because he has always been good. He's always shown to be good. It just seemed like he was missing that extra gear that kind of took him almost like early, almost like early career Zach Wheeler, where he couldn't like, he was good, but he necessarily couldn't pull the trigger on like going longer. And then especially transferring that into strikeouts, kind of like Dustin may couldn't transfer into strikeouts. So I love this. I know it's Milwaukee. So I'm in temper expectations, I suppose, because they love to swing and miss, but uh, I love, I love this out of, uh, out of Julio. Yes. uh, And, and uh, obviously being a Dodger fan and being close to these guys and, and really trying to take away my, my fandom hat. And and obviously I'm a lot of times harder on my players than than most times, you know, Mm -hmm. avoiding Bellinger this year, things like that. Uh, But, you know, this is the thing is is sometimes you have to believe a little bit in somebody of that talent level breaking out and, and doing something that, that people, you know, like everybody and their mothers had, him, for example, at projected at what eight, you know, K nine or, or whatever, just whatever they've seen the last few years, not really expecting that breakout. Same thing with uh, Christian Yelich as a hitter a few years ago. Oh, he only hits ground ball. Same thing with Vladimir Guerrero going into the season, like that, that extra gear that, you know, is possible with, with mm-hmm. these talented guys. And so we, we've seen it a lot of times. You mentioned it about Dustin May. Now you're seeing the strikeouts. Now you're seeing it with Uriah. So a lot of times these guys unlock. That's great to see. I'm sure he'll have some bad starts along the way, but he'll have some more double-digit strikeout games too. I, yeah, I, I, I would love to see. I mean, as a Dodger fan, you hate to see it. I would love to see him have a couple. I have a bad game here, so I can go acquire mm. more shares because he's someone I absolutely don't have enough shares of. I want it everywhere, and I want to get as much as possible. I truly believe in him, and I also believe in Jesus Lazardo. I forgot to mention at the top. He actually pitched with a broken hand. Well, I mean, you know, a stress fracture, but he apparently mm-hmm. broke it while banging it on a table playing video games. Dummy. He's gotten off to he's gotten off to a rough start. Uh, he he's admitted it's control issues, which he admitted to having last year. I get a lot of DMs about people wanting to drop him, which I get, you know, in a, in a very shallow league, if you don't have a bench, he has a broken hand. I get it. There's going to be growing pains, but in dynasty, I get these too. Don't mm-hmm. give up. He's 23 years old. He throws 98 miles an hour as a lefty, which doesn't sound as impressive nowadays, but as a left-hander, that puts him as like, he's like the cream of the crop as far as velocity for left-handers. So uh, just, uh, we skipped over him. I just want to say that I know he's off to a rough start, but uh, redraft is one thing, but in dynasty, you know, uh, acquire, do not get rid of Jesus Lazardo. I'm on board with that completely. You know, every everyone's going to kind of go through their rewards here and there. And unfortunately what happened to him, but, uh, but he's going to have a solid career. 
Uh, Corey Kluber, too, uh, one of the, the highlights you said you picked him up. Uh, eight innings, zero and 10 strikeouts versus the Tigers. Again, it's the Tigers. Who mm-hmm. cares? It, in this particular instance, who, who cares? Eight innings, 10 strikeouts for Corey Kluber. He's looked good. Uh, Jamison Tyon has looked better. We'll get to him in a second. But the Yankees here, uh, you know, their their gambles maybe paying off. They can stay healthy. Kluber starting to get stronger and stronger every single game. That's really the key. If these guys are going to be healthy, uh, y- you know, there's going to be some some good value in them uh, throughout the course of the season. Of course, the problem is is we all should be a little gun shy with AL East pitchers in general. I know that's changed a little bit with guys like Glass now and. Uh, but 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 yes, these are these are difficult bar, ballparks that they're playing in consistently in in Fenway and Yankee Stadium and uh, you know now Dunedin. It's it's <laughs> wild. So there are going to be some uh, some rough roads ahead. Uh, but yeah, fantastic to see and, and crazy about Kluber how he literally does this every single year. That it, it stinks every April and then just kind of turns it on in May. And it's just so funny that it happened to be May second where we get this amazing start from him. And his teammate, Jamison Tyon, five innings, one earned, eight strikeouts versus those same Tigers. How do you feel about Tyon? His his problem is he's, I think, off the top of my head, I believe this is only the second time he's gotten to the fifth. I think he's been stuck in the fourth uh, for the most. Uh, how confident do you feel starting – how confident would you feel starting him? I don't know if you have shares or not with with someone who – because there's plenty of them out there. So this is just an example. But there's plenty of pitchers that just you can never quite count on to maybe get to the fifth. I know Taiwan Walker was someone who was really running, and that's a different story. He's running up a pitch count. Tyon obviously has health to worry about as well. Just those pitchers this year when um, teams are being more careful, if you are worried about them getting to the fifth, does that really detract from you starting them when you're filling out your lineup, or is it just like a talent over situation thing? Yeah, for the most part, it's talent over situation, unless the matchup is just it just really looks scary and the pitcher seems off or his velocity is down or something like that. But uh, uh, actually, I have Kluber and Tyon on in this on one team together, which was scary for a little bit as my SP four and SP five. Uh, but yeah, that was a very promising start. It's good to see. Uh, obviously, serving up a little bit more homers than we expect. Uh, his walk rate's right around what it's been for over the course of his career, about you know five percent now. I think he's at six percent over his career, uh, way up there with the strikeouts, which is no, nice to see. He's a little over thirty percent, where his career rate's around twenty one, twenty two. So, uh, yeah, we just kind of hold hold uh, hold steady with him so throughout the year. Uh, Griffin Canning from the Angels, who've I mean they have blowups, but overall they kind of look promising of a team that looked like. They pieced together this weird pitching staff. It looked like it was going to just go off in their face. They, it's, it's been going well so far. And Griffin Canning, five and a third, zero and nine strikeouts versus Seattle. Uh, he looked very sharp. Dylan Bundy's doing his thing, obviously. Andrew Heaney, you never know what we're going to get. I'm a big believer of his. Even Jesus, even uh, Jose Quintana uh, got off to a rough start. But, um, you know, he looked great in spring training and he kind of looked okay. You know, they, they could be okay in LA. Oh, my fingers crossed for Mike Trout. But, you know, Griffin Canning, uh, what do you think of him? He's someone who obviously was uh, dealing with an injury last year we thought would be out long term. They decided to go the safe route and, uh, or I shouldn't say the safe route, the non surgery route with him. And, and he's back and looking okay. I have watched him very closely ever since, uh, actually, even in, um, in his, that, season in AAA 2018 where I kind of followed him and knew he was going to be coming up uh, and then you know obviously made his debut in 2019 but for some reason I have some sort of bias against him I, I just I, I just am not investing I don't I don't think I'm a huge fan uh, I'm, I'm kind of a snob with ratios and I feel like 
he's somebody that that, that crushes them from time to time. Like uh, over the course of his career, 32 starts or whatever it was, has got about a, a 4-6 ERA. And, uh, you know, obviously it's something he can improve on, but everything as far as a Sierra, XFIP, everything um, in, in terms of indicators sort of matches that. And so you're even though you're getting the, the, the strikeouts, you kind of just don't know what you're going to get from start to start. It's a great place to pitch when he's at home, good division to pitch in as well. But uh, I'm staring at him in a 12 teamer and I'm just not interested. Part of it has to do with his upcoming matchups. I think are are, are somewhat tough Uh, and maybe he proves me wrong, but I just don't think I'm in. So let's assume you had a nice matchup in both of these next games, just neutral. They both look appetizing. Who would you have Griffin Canning or Danny Duffy who, has morphed into a better version of himself than we've ever seen in his entire career. His last time out, seven innings, one earned seven strikeouts. I believe he's your American League ERA leader still, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yes. I uh, never thought I'd say this, but I guess it would be Danny Duffy. Uh, he's a veteran, knows knows how to pitch. Uh, he had some uh, tremendous success many, many years ago. Remember uh, 2014, he had uh, 25 starts of a two-and-a-half ERA. And uh, even a couple more seasons that were pretty solid areas under four uh, and, and decent strikeout rates, I think over a K per nine in, back in 2016. So uh, obviously the guy's not going to hold an ERA under two and a half over the entire season. He's going to hit some warts. Of course, he's going to serve up some homers like he used to, uh, but the Royals get a lot of really good matchups. And so, I mean, even in a, a situation neutral, I think I trust Duffy just a little bit more. I was pounding the pavement for him last year before 2020 because I thought for innings wise, you know, he was going to go out there and be the ace for the Royals and his velocity was up in spring. And I was kind of doing it again this year before the same reason. I'm not saying I expected this. There's no victory lap for me. I told people to acquire him, but because of, I thought it would be, he seems to have been uh, a little further away from his injury history where I felt that he was going to go out there and deliver you winnings. So I'm excited to see this as I have a lot of cheap shares. Didn't expect this. Definitely expected to come back. But uh, the further and further he gets away from, you know, his, his serious injuries, the stronger he looks. And that's kind of the way it should be. So I don't want to say total mirage. Um, he's just maybe out kicking his coverage a little bit here. But and I mean, I don't want to say I don't want to undersell it, but I mean, three and a half ERA. I think I think that's mm-hmm. totally doable from Danny Duffy, and that's fantastic. Yes, in the AL, that uh, that would be a fantastic thing. And and to me, he he might end up being like the the uh, left-handed version of uh, Adam Wainwright. Of course, not as good. Wainwright was amazing in the in the uh, bulk of his career, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, in terms of longevity. So he's 32 now, and I can see the guy still pitching in the majors a few years from now. You know, maybe a, a kind of alternate good to bad seasons, but just a guy that's going to stick around. Uh, just. Do you believe in people being hot? Like, has he proven enough where if he was going against, um, trying to think of just horrible matchup, <laughs> it was just, I usually throw the Yankees out as my main comparison, but I mean, mm-hmm. what, you know, if, if he's going against the Yankees, the Yankee stadium, if he was in interleague play going to course, is Danny Duffy a guy you're throwing out every start right now, or is he still in the no. skeptical, skeptical zone? No, no. I think, uh, yeah, that, that's tough. I mean, for example, I'm the biggest Lance McCullers fan you can think of, and he's going to Yankee Stadium. And if the Yankees' bats are warming up and it's going to be a little warmer there, I might be careful. Maybe it's stupid to kind of bench one of your studs, but if I have enough depth, that's something I'm going to consider doing. There are just certain starts that uh, you just kind of feel. You just kind of know. Same thing, Anthony Descalfani. Like, he just had those fantastic starts. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And then, oh, he's going to Philly? Uh, I don't know about that, you know? 
Yeah. And uh, I believe Lance McCullers is also lined up to face Garrett Cole, which doesn't really feed into yeah. the, uh, the the coin flip situation if you're thinking about using them. Uh, just because before we get on to a couple of hitters, uh, we're almost nearing the end of the show here. Where is your line? Uh, if you could, you know, a, a metaphorical line or a specific one, if you can give us a player value, where do you draw the line where matchup proof? Uh, like, is like if you had uh, like Tyler Glass now, let's go a little deeper than that. Is Tyler Glass now is, is someone who would be matchup proof for you? He's matchup proof. I'd say it's, uh, I mean, you would think that even somebody like McCullers, I mean, somebody drafted among the top 100 overall is matchup proof. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's situation dependent and it, it, it's, it's context dependent based on your fantasy team, based on what the replacement options are. Uh, but for the most part, I guess you could say the top, uh, 20 guys or so, maybe 15 are matchup proof. Uh, because well, Jose, even, Jose, how about Jose Barrios? That's pushing that envelope a little bit in the wrong, uh, in the tough road start. I do think that he's somebody that you could potentially bench because he has a career of kind of, you know, screwing up on the road. Yeah. I think that's a, I think he's just past maybe the safe guy. So he's maybe good. I get that asked a lot. It's, it's tricky. Like you said, cause it's dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it depends on situation, but some, sometimes people just want to, you know, a, in a vacuum and that's what mm-hmm. it is. A few hitters that are, are looking good. Aaron judge like Byron Buxton. Like we, we don't have to talk about Byron Buxton. He's kind of hitting, you know, it's like beating a dead horse there. I don't think anyone ever avoided Aaron judge because of his talent. They avoided him because of injury risk. And that's the whole thing with him and Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, if you were, if you were approached in a trade league for Aaron judge, is there any kind of excitement you see, or are you an Aaron judge guy or are you an Aaron judge avoider? I should say. I was an Aaron judge avoider up until last season. And then, uh, I, I invested in him in some teams that ended up not happening. They didn't, they all ended up getting canceled. Remember the, the 12 team OCs when everything hit in, in March this year, I was back in acknowledging the risk, knowing what we will have to deal with and knowing the roller coaster that it is. I actually have them on two of my three most important teams and grabbed them as a fourth or a fifth rounder, just expecting and hoping for the, uh, you know, basically the high end outcome, because when he does play, nobody hits the ball harder is as consistent. He plays in Yankee stadium, great lineup around him, hit 51 homers in his sleep, you know, and his, it is rookie year, sophomore year. So, yeah, just just I I am in on on Aaron Judge, but I acknowledge it's a crazy roller coaster ride, and sometimes I like to kind of take uh, take those risks. Do you just when you're uh, when you're investing in a player like that, do you just bake in like a um, do you just give him a certain number of at bats and then put a league average player in for the rest of the season? Like how do you do? How do you prepare for when you're heavily investing? Which I know you're getting a big discount on Judge where you got him. Um, are, how are you baking in kind of the risk? Are you drafting someone later or are you just banking on like waiver wire production in case he's down? Yeah, I mean it's 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 mostly being a little bit more attentive to your outfield because outfield was felt like it was kind of thin to begin with, and just making sure that this is a team where you know, for example. Dylan Carlson is my fourth outfielder. So that is a team I feel strongly about with my outfield, obviously not the power that he gives, but, uh, and he's in my lineup anyway. So he's not the actual replacement guy, but yeah, you, when you draft someone like that, you have to pay a little bit more attention to that position. If not in your draft in the back end, at least in uh, in, in free agent bidding as you go. Uh, next guy on the list is JD Martinez, which I mean, uh, it looks like it was the videotape either that or it was uh, Alex Cora being gone and everything being thrown off. 
JD Martinez is about as in fuego as it goes. I mean, even Javier Baez, who's batting, I don't know, 180, but he still has like six home runs, five stolen bases. I'm making those numbers up off the top of my head, but they're at close enough to accurate. So he's kind of doing his thing. He was always going to have a low batting average, but JD Martinez looks like he's just back to being JD Martinez. I, I was worried that uh, he was just, I was one of those guys that just thought he was on a steady decline and he was never going to bounce back to what he was. I thought maybe he'd get somewhere in between like what he was in 2019, but uh, he looks a little better than that so far. Oh uh, yeah. He's uh he's fantastic. And, and the timing of everything was, was perfect with my drafts where I was in a Jordan Alvarez phase for a while and drafting him, but like right when my important drafts came up, I all of a sudden had some sort of like, I just have to get JD Martinez. What's he doing there at 9,500 overall. So invested, invested, invested so far. I'm happy. Just pray he doesn't get hurt, but yeah, I mean the, the, the guy's a beast and hopefully he gets us uh, another 40 home run season. Uh, Jared Walsh, another someone that uh, a lot of people were investing in late. Absolutely looks completely legitimate. I think everything that we saw out of him last year, was possible. I didn't expect maybe the 300 batting average that we saw, but the power is very legitimate. The I didn't have as much shares as maybe I would have hoped because I didn't trust the Angels. I didn't know if they'd wheel Albert Pujols out there for a victory lap tour um, and they would get him necessarily the at-bats I wanted. He's getting the at-bats. He looks great. Um, absolutely legitimate. I love Jared Walsh. Yeah, late bloomer. Uh, obviously made his debut. I think basically broke through as a 27-year-old last season and mm-hmm. Looks great so far. the uh, The only problem is, is uh, the, the the places where I had him, I uh, actually sat him over the weekend, and so I missed that big production. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, the last guy we'll talk about is Nolan Arenado, who looks good, but he doesn't look like Nolan Arenado. Last year was in, you know, for anyone paying attention, he was injured. That was always what the problem was. He had a shoulder thing. Now he's healthy, sitting like two seventy ish. He's got like four or five home runs, so he, he kind of looks kind of like what projections expected right mm-hmm. uh this it looks like a typical drop down from going from course to st louis which makes him a really good player so what do you make of nolan arenado like if he kind of projected out do, do you see him as like a even line with like a paul goldschmidt do you think he's a little more valuable than that where do you think his kind of value lies if this is what we're going to get because it lines up with what you know some sharp mm-hmm. people were expecting and that just looks what it, what it is right now yeah, it's a. It, sometimes it's just Okim's razor. You know, the what what seems like the most obvious is is what it is, and he's a, he's an aging guy, and he's out of cores, and uh, you know, people that were gonna say extreme, like oh, he's gonna all of a sudden suck, or he's gonna be like amazing. Just you don't have to go that far. It, it pretty much he is what he is. He's he's not gonna hit forty home runs again. He's probably not gonna hit three hundred again. You're getting basically what you paid for, uh, maybe a little less, uh, and so. I'm just okay with him. And would I be surprised if Paul Goldschmidt had a slightly better season than him? No, not at all. I think they're about good value. And I kind of like seeing them playing together. I think if I'm in a draft league where I had someone where it was like they were excited or he's, he looks kind of, he looks healthy and he's playing well, I think I kind of try to unload him because the only thing is where I liked, I, I took whoever was the cheapest at Devers and Aaron and Rendon and they kind of alternated that third base group this year. So I took whoever mm-hmm. went last uh, or, you know, I'd wait till later because there's some, you know, Austin Riley. There was there was a lot of people that were later um Yankees. I can't think of his name off the top. I had played shortstop today. Rish- yeah, Rochelle. Yeah. Uh so Arenado, the thing is with him is if he's not gonna give you that for sure batting average, you know, he's like he's like a super he's like a, a rich man's version of Brian Anderson. <laughs> not mm-hmm. that I wanna I don't want to degrade him, but you know, if he goes any kind of through of a slump of any kind, I, I don't see the real premium there. So if someone still wants to pay, I think this is what it is. 
if someone looks at this and thinks there's more there, I don't think there is. That's kind of the thing. Mm -hmm. I think this is what you're going to get. And if yep. that's fine, good. If someone believes there's more, I'd ship them off if you can. So um, that does it. Did anything stand out to you over the weekend? I didn't talk about because you know we we talked a lot a lot of hitters here. Anything before we uh, we we sign off that you saw that was interesting? Uh, no, you, you, I think you covered it pretty well. It was nice to see that uh, Cubs-Reds uh, uh, game go off with uh, with a whole lot of stuff. And I think Kimbrel gave up his first run, so that's about it. Yeah, Kimbrel. Yeah, he only had like one hit going into the other day. All right, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be back next week, everybody. Before we sh ship off, Vlad, I want you to give your sir, opinion on Luis Castillo. What's wrong with him? <laughs> his, his velocity was up to 98, uh, his last start, so it's looking like it's inching. It's inching towards the finish line. Do you expect him to be uh, to be back uh, to where he's supposed to be as it starts to heat up and he's getting away from that cold weather? Or is he someone yeah. who's out very, very much worrying you? No, he's not really worrying me. Uh, he's I think he's gonna be absolutely fine so long as he's healthy. And, and as he's, we're seeing better signs every every week and it happens to, 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 to the best of the, to the best of pitchers. So uh, going through a little slump now, I think is a good uh, per, uh, purchasing opportunity. And I think people should do that if they can. All right. Uh, let everyone know where they can follow you, where they can find all your great work that you put out every week uh, over uh, with your, your fab article, every single thing, plug everything. It's uh, Roto Gut on Twitter and uh, fantasyguru.com slash MLB. That's uh, where my, my weekly free agent uh, column is uh, do some other stuff and just really help people crush it at fantasy and then uh on the dfs side elitefantasy.com and uh yeah come play with us thank you so much matt for having me i re really really appreciate it no thanks for being on sorry for being a little longer it always runs along with me i'm working on it everybody follow me on twitter matt williams m-e-t-t-w-i-7-7-i-m-s seven, seven, make sure to download the nbc sports app on uh, android or apple absolutely free and we'll be back next week with a weekend roundup see everybody The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.